Hello, everyone, and welcome to Life Wealth's podcast. Uh, my name is Jason Harwood, CEO of Life Wealth, and joining me today is uh, Life Wealth's head of our investment committee, James Vandaloo. Good morning, Jason. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Um, we should sort of tell everyone who's listening to the podcast, it's an unusual one for us today. It's a Saturday morning. We're sitting in my backyard, keeping as much distance from each other as we possibly can. So uh, I'm not sure if it'll sound a little bit different. I assume it will, but it's a fairly nice setting rather than being locked in the office. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's different times, isn't it? So it's probably highly appropriate we do something a little bit different. Yeah, I I know it was a little bit weird when you turn up for the first time in 20 years, we didn't shake hands. So we're all getting used to the new normal, aren't we? Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, so so let's jump straight in today. We we wanted to give another update on uh, where things are at. I mean, everyone listening to this podcast, all of us know just how quickly things are moving. Um, The same comment we've made at the start of every podcast um, whilst we'll have some commentary about, I guess, the, the rate of growth and things like that around coronavirus, we are really focused on um, not the human cost, of course, and we're well aware of that. But for the purposes of what we're talking about today, it's really the impact on portfolios and investments and economies and things like that. that that's ex- that, that's exactly right. And thanks to everybody for your feedback on previous podcasts and um, and our writings actually really, really appreciate it. There's nothing better than getting some feedback and getting some debate. It makes us think more about what we're saying and what we're researching. So um, don't be shy. Please uh, please keep letting us know what you think. Yeah, completely agree on that. All right, James, so let's let's uh, jump straight in. Let's, let's talk about, I guess, uh, the, the, the pace of growth around the world. And obviously, we're not going to talk about every, every jurisdiction, every country and, and all those sorts of things. But um, you know, governments around the world have been taking actions both economically, but for the moment, we'll just focus on on health with uh, social isolation and things like that. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I do. I guess other than sort of the US where things seem a little bit out of control, it actually seems to be working. So that's one positive we take away um, from this week. And uh, whether you're bullish and bearish and some people have different views, I, I think Noel Ferguson, who was one of the researchers from the Imperial College that published that report that was really, really alarming a few mm. weeks ago and, to be honest, probably made people really, really panic about about yes. this. Yes. Uh, he's come out this week and I think I'm right in saying his estimation in the UK was it'd be somewhere between 20,000 and half a million deaths, mm. but he believes because of the policy response, it's going to be at the bottom end. Mm. Uh, so, you know, that's that's one one positive that it genuinely seems to be working. Yeah, agree. We, we were talking about that before we started recording the podcast. There's been some political mileage gained out of uh, that report, you know, talking about, you know, a week, two weeks ago, it was 500,000. Now you're talking about 20, but that's not actually what he said. He said it'll be between 20 and 500,000. 500 if there's no policy response, could be 20 if there's an effective policy response. And the pleasing, um, I guess, point he made is there's been some policy response, which is actually having an impact on that. So we think in the UK, it's being pushed down towards that lower estimation. And that, that's great. And we've, we've got lots of lots of clients in the UK and some are, some are elderly. So uh, that's that's great news. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the States is obviously a different story. And, and I don't think we necessarily spend too long on that. I'm sure everyone's keeping abreast of that because it's hard not to. Um, but it does really hit home the difference between leadership and, and lack of leadership. That's exactly right. And 
for for, for the financial markets, the US is the big one to watch. Mm. So uh, I've still got my my fingers crossed that the shutdowns that have happened in the last few weeks are going to start to take an effect, and we hopefully see in a few more weeks' time things start to get under control there. But uh, that remains to be seen. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good place to uh, to, to sort of stop there, and we'll, we'll talk about I guess impacts on investing. So, um, do you want to talk about markets and 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 the broader uh, the broader view? Yeah, absolutely. And um, as I said last week when we chatted, right now we're in a global recession and uh, I couldn't have imagined that would be the case uh, five or six weeks ago or even four weeks ago. As we've said all along, it's moved really quickly. What I want to remind everybody that's feeling a little bit grim about this is this is not your typical global recession. Typical global recession are caused because demand in the economy weakens. Um, Now, in 2008, that was caused by the banking system failing and uh, people's values of homes and and massive job losses from that event. Yes. Um, This recession is caused because the governments have stamped down on demand. They've they've told us to stop. So, Mm. governments have deliberately suppressed demand to try and deal with the medical issue. So that's what's different. So is it a traditional recession? A traditional recession, what you do is you lower interest rates to stimulate demand to get things rolling. Yeah. You could have negative 25 on interest rates today and it's not going to make a, make a difference. Sure. Um, what the problem is in the world at the moment is a cash flow crisis. So um, a sudden stop in the global economy It's not built for that. Mm. So there is a cash flow crisis, but I've been really, really encouraged by both central banks and government policy response to try and hold things together and get the majority of businesses through to the other side of the Mm. healthcare crisis. Um, A week and a half ago, as I said, I was watching credit markets, not equity markets, and they were making me nervous. It was creaking. And to me, that was the risk to the global economy in the medium term. The good news is that appears to be under control and they are throwing money at it like you would not believe. Yes. And it's already gone far further than they went in 2008. They've already used all of those tricks and they've come up with some new ones. Hmm. So an example of that, in, in 2008, the US Federal Reserve could only buy uh, treasuries. They could only buy um, government government debt. Um, what Trump has done is he's basically pulled a Trumpy. Hmm. So he's now got, because the, the Federal Reserve cannot buy corporate debt. Yes. So what Trumpy has done is he set up a department in the Treasury, which is not the Federal Reserve, got the Fed to lend to the mm. Treasury, who's now buying corporate yeah, debt, sure. yep. uh, hand over fist, and putting money into bank bills in the short-term money market. Mm. So liquidity, to me, seems to be stabilizing. And the biggest evidence of that is you've seen the US dollar, which was running higher yes. has actually reversed and mm-hmm. we're starting to see spreads come in and yields go down. Mm. So 
for the system, that's a really, really encouraging sign that it looks like they've got it under control. And the rhetoric is, it doesn't matter how much this costs, it doesn't matter how much this costs, we're gonna keep pumping until we get to the other side. Yeah. So I think they're doing a good job in a, you know, it's an unbelievable uh, yeah, circumstance. Yeah, exactly right. But I think it's the best they can do mm. um, at the, at the time. So, so there's a sense for you that if I if I take what you're saying, that that markets have settled. Now we'll we'll expand on that a little bit, but there's it, it's settled to a degree. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean the bottom's in, and that's a question we get asked all the time. But it's at least settled and getting back to something like normality. Yeah. So. Probably normalities. That's going a bit too far. Let's, that's let's probably for about three months. Yeah, <laughs> normality relative to what we've been living through over the last month. Oh, absolutely. So um, the, the VIX have been running around twenty for the last uh, year or two. So that's the volatility index. That's the volatility index mm-hmm. of how volatile markets are. Uh, at the peak of the GFC, they got up to eighty. They got to above that level mm. two weeks ago. So. Um, this week, they're back down to 60. So mm-hmm. we're still probably running three times the, vol- high, yeah. the volatility that we'd like to see to say markets are stable. But I, I don't see the systemic risk that we had a week and a half ago of the whole thing absolutely blowing up. You and I had a conversation about a completely different topic. It was either yesterday or the day before. As we've been saying, days feel like weeks at the moment. Uh, and we were talking about the human condition we accept the new normal and we live in the new normal very quickly. We adapt uh, as humans. And uh, yeah, 60s, 60 on the VIX is a, a big improvement from 80. Any it, other time you'd be going, it, oh it, no, it's at 60. It, it is. And um, in terms of me being excited to put more risk money to work, I'd, I'd probably want to see a three mm. in front of that in front of that VIX number. Yeah, sure. So going back to the question, if... Um, and probably most people think when we talk about markets is the equity market. Mm. Has that bottomed? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. It put in a, a it, it's been positive this week. It's the first week uh, since the crisis started. The market's been positive. Largely, I believe that's because of the stimulus bill and the liquidity that's been flowing into credit markets. Um, there's going to be, we, we don't know how long the medical crisis lasts for. Of and course. that then determines how much damage is actually permanent in the real economy. Mm. And I could give you predictions, but the, the reality is nobody's models are going to be right. Mm. I did see one from NAB about Australia, which I thought looked pretty reasonable this week. So when we started, uh, when we started, go back to mid-February, unemployment in Australia was 5%. Five, yeah. And uh, if we... Look, this week, it's probably 10, 11, even 12%. So, of course, there's some people hanging their heads saying, oh, my, we're in depression, recession. Um, It's going to snap back pretty quickly, though, when we can get back rolling. Mm. And NAB's estimate is as long as this medical crisis doesn't last too long, they think we get back down to seven pretty quickly. Yes. So, we're, we're not going back to where we were. But seven mm. is a lot better mm. than 11 or 12. If yes. we're starting at 11 or 12, it's going to take years yep. to get back down to full employment. Mm. Um, so to me, 
that looks like a reasonable assumption. Fingers crossed on the health side um, that it goes to plan and the, the strategies are got in place work and we can all get back to some sense of normalcy in the yeah, second half of the year. Um, so, so talking about bottom in, um, we, we were talking about the fact that, you know, lies, lies and damn statistics. Mm. Um, sometimes some of these terms we put on things are a little bit ridiculous because technically the US was a, a bull market from uh, Tuesday through Thursday. It was up 20% across three days. So apart from being the shortest bear market in history and the I think just about the quickest uh, bull market in history, all of us know that we are clearly not in that place right now. Oh, absolutely. And again, go back to 2008 from the first leg down, which was about September 2008, there was a very similar size retracement. Mm. So it's not got nothing to do with fundamentals of the underlying businesses. It's more market technicals that you have short covering when they think the peak's over and almost a bit of a relief rally. And uh, I hope the bottom's in because it makes our job a whole lot, a whole lot easier and our clients experience a whole lot more comfortable. Mm. But the truth is we don't know. There's going to be lots of bad data over the next three or four weeks. Mm. And it's funny, when I saw the jobless print in the US on Thursday night, three and a half million new job claims, which was higher than what most people have estimated. Bloomberg had estimated about a million and a half. Yeah. I thought, oh my, the market is going to sell off on this bad number and it rallied 6%. Yeah, it's really interesting. We were, we were talking yesterday about, uh, you know, what, what moved the Australian market yesterday that had been up sort of 5 or 6% uh, in morning trade and then sort of snapped back down below uh, below zero and, and a negative return yesterday. And, and our sense was that was probably the Singapore numbers coming out. Um, and you know, like those jobless numbers in the US, uh, their, their GDP result was worse than expected. And I, I think we're going to see a lot more of that over the months to come. Things are going to be a lot worse than expected. Now, there come a point, I think, where that actually normalizes and markets and people expect it to be worse. Um, but you know, they're going to hit at some stage and you're going to see the market react to that. That's exactly right. It, it appears the market is in front of the data and it's had to be because this has all happened yeah. happen, happen so quickly. But um, as we wrote to clients during the week, we won't be able to pick that bottom. No. So what we actually want to see is signs that the medical crisis is stabilising so the likelihood of us getting back to work and earnings returning to corporations looks a little more certain. Mm. When we feel that that is actually going to happen, that's when we're going to start looking to add risk to portfolios yeah, sure. again. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, so so turning, I guess, uh, more closely to and, and linking that to, through to our clients and, and the investment outlook and portfolios, um, thinking around asset classes from here. Yeah, well, even if this thing gets resolved quicker then we hope it, things are going to be a little bit different on the other side. So um, as we wrote in our piece during the week, um, governments are issuing debt like willy-nilly mm. to actually help with this cash flow crisis we're talking about. Yeah. Now, it's not all just through issuing new bonds. Those issues are still to come. A lot of it's been done by central banks in the short term, but- it's effectively financing government 
government deficits. Mm. So um, if I look forward two or three years, can I see the world still happy to earn nothing on government bonds? Right now, they're happy to. Yeah. I'm just not sure it's it's sustainable. Yeah. So government bonds, yes, they're there now, but I, I'm not sure how how much longer they're going to have a place in portfolios when interest rates are already now zero. Yeah, I understand. So our coupons suck. Mm. Uh, corporate credit. So corporate credit has been in portfolios because we were in a relatively strong economy default risk from companies was very low mm. in a low rate world. I still think it's that low rate world, but default risk has gone up a lot. Yeah. So um, not saying that you don't want to lend to corporates, but we're going to have to be very discerning on who we're lending to, which are the sectors that are relatively unaffected by this crisis and whose balance sheets are under pressure. So um, that's going to be... Uh, a big job to make sure if we've got corporate credit, it's into the right sectors and we're being paid enough yeah. for that risk. So broadly thinking, a crisis like this when there's mispricings give us an opportunity to improve the quality of the portfolios. Mm-hmm. And we might be taking a loss on an instrument, but if we're taking a loss on it and buying higher quality that's also fallen, yes. when things normalise over the next year or two, we should do much better. So it's a relative value decision more than just saying, well, you know, I'm happy to take a loss on something. And as we've always talked about, it's not with, with a diversified portfolio and in fact any asset, it's not just return. It's the, it's the trade-off of risk versus return. So if you can reduce the amount of risk in a portfolio, in an asset class, whatever that may well be, that, that is part of the overall view of the, the return you're trying to get. That's exactly right. And the higher quality should bounce more in the recovery and the lower quality, well, some of them are going to default. Yes. And uh, some of them will come through, but it's not going to be as much fun. Yeah. Um, high yield. Now, we haven't got a lot of high yield at all in our portfolios at the moment. Maybe a few managers have had a very mm-hmm. small exposure, but high yield's almost junk bonds. So yeah. it's lending for a higher return to lower quality companies. I'm really worried about that market because I think what's going to happen is a lot of, as I was saying, in the investment grade corporate credit, because they're going to be stressed, a lot of that is going to fall down into the junk category. So there's just going to be an enormous amount of new junk Mm. and, um, and I think it'll be hard for the market to swallow that. So even though the returns look good, I think we can be much, much smarter about getting a higher return. And as I wrote again, I like hybrids. I like bank hybrids. The spreads have blown out. Mm. The government's got their back. They're well capitalized. It's not a financial crisis. I think those spreads will normalize over the next few years. So there's actually some good returns in lending to our big banks and not needing to push down the the risk curve. So yep, cool. that's probably the rebalancing in, in, in yep. credit. Um, think of another asset class like listed property. So listed property, if you've got a big diversified fund, you own a mix of assets in there at the moment. You've got shopping centers. So for the people in Victoria, you, your Chadstons or your, your High Points, you've got 
office buildings like those on Collins Street and yep. Burke Street, as well as industrial parks, uh, which handle freight and uh, stock. And um, there might be some data centers in there, which is IT yep. um, and retail. And in retail, there is your Buddingses, there are your Woolworths and Coleses, and as we said, your high street retail. Now, we're already seeing before we went into this crisis, there was trouble in retail. Yeah, there's pressure. Um, so I'm really, really worried about mm. the sustainability of shopping centre rents in the next few years, even when we get past this. Yes. Because uh, unfortunately, the tenants are dropping dropping like flies. Mm. So that doesn't create pressure for the space to allow rents to normalise quickly. Yeah, and you may even have a situation where, you know, someone like Amazon, I mean, when I say someone like Amazon, there mm. is only Amazon. Mm. Um, that, you know, where, where does Amazon's growth come from if before getting into coronavirus and, and lockdowns and things like that? You know, where was its growth going to continue to come from? Because it was so astronomical and it was so strong. And it was such a behemoth. Well, all of a sudden with people locked down, there's a whole heap of people using Amazon for the first time. That's exactly right. And that's why I'd probably much rather own an industrial um, e-commerce facility mm. in Laverton at the moment mm. than I would Chadston. Yes. And that might change in a yeah, few years' time. Of course, of course. But for the next few years, uh, I, I never thought I'd say I'd choose Laverton over Chadston. Yeah, but sure. I, I probably would. Well, the retail experience completely may well mm. change into the future. And, um, you know, I, I, the podcast, we're talking generally. So mm. I don't like to use stock examples, yep. but- uh, Charter Hall, Long Whale REIT, which some clients own. Um, if you look at what they own, their biggest tenant is the government mm-hmm. um, in city buildings. Uh, their next biggest lot of tenants are the banks in the big office buildings yep. in the city. And uh, the third biggest tenant is Woolies from supermarkets. Mm. So they're pretty sustainable yes. lot of tenants. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot. And, and, and I think between Woolies, the banks, and the government is about 70% yeah, right. of their tenant base. Yep. So I don't think they're going to have a whole heap of, yeah. um, of, of defaults. Yeah, it makes sense. Whereas the shopping centre guys, I think things are going to be tough yeah. for, for a while. So yep. pivoting more towards that part of property, mm. I think the cash flow is going to prove much more sustainable in the next next few years. Yep. And it's been those things have been sold off just as bad as the shopping centers. So, you know, it might yeah, be time to sense. do the rotation. Very similar in infrastructure. So um, now everything in infrastructure is hurting at the moment because the users are down, perhaps other than the power line companies mm. and and the pipeline companies. Yeah, but, but toll roads is a, as a, as a great example. Traffic's going to be down. Airports. Airports, users down. The, the two listed airports in Australia, Sydney and, uh, and Auckland, um, they're going to have horrible years, but I do believe they've got strong enough balance sheets mm. and, um, to, to get through to the other side and they're still going to be monopolistic assets. So, oh, I would say based on what uh, we get charged for parking at any airport, I think their balance sheet should be reasonably strong. Well, that, that, that's exactly right. And... So Auckland Airport, I, I was doing the math on this because obviously some clients own it this week, 
and they'll probably lose 300 million in revenue um, over the next 12 months. But to me, their balance sheet's strong enough to get through. The market cap has fallen much more than 300 mil. So, you know, happy to happy to hang in there with things like that. Mm-hmm. But we've got to be careful on which infrastructure assets we own in the, in the next in the next few years because yeah, sure. things are going to be a little bit different. And um, everybody's favourite, equities, it's exactly the same same thing, you know. Again, mo- more of the calls have been about Qantas and Flight Centre and uh, their balance sheets are going to be going to be really, really challenged. Qantas raised some money, so I, th- I think they're going to get through. Flight Centre's got some challenges, though. The numbers don't quite add up at the moment. Mm. So do we want to try and buy those businesses? Now, if you're right, you can win big. If you're right. But that's kind of gambling. Mm. And um, what we're more interested in doing is looking at the sectors that we think will do really well. Can you see healthcare getting funding cuts in the next few years or do you think probably more money will get yeah, right. pushed into healthcare? So um, healthcare is probably well, somewhere we like. The big tech companies, their balance sheets were strong. They had net cash. So they've got no problems sailing through this crisis how long. It's not to say revenues don't fall. Right? Remember, Google and Facebook, they're partly advertising businesses. Yes. Advertising revenue is going to be down yep. short term. So I'm not saying that their profits don't fall short term, but their balance sheet's wrong. When things start to normalize, I think those businesses will be very, very resilient. And um, your IT infrastructure, you know, look at our business, you know, we've got challenges like everybody else. Mm. We, we are not closing down our IT infrastructure, our um, software as a service subscriptions. Mm. Keep rolling yeah. through this. Exactly right. So um, they're sort of more industries along with staples um, that we're probably wanting to be looking at rather than um, trying to uh, pick those sectors that have been really thrashed but actually might not come back. Yeah, great call. With the travel example being the, the prime one. Mm. Okay. Um, I think we've covered off everything that we plan to cover off. Is there anything you wanted to um, like touch on before we, before we close up? No, probably not. Just to say to all the clients, I uh, hope you're doing okay. It's just been such an extraordinary few weeks. It's something totally different for for all of us. And, mm. you know, we've, you know, had more conversations probably than almost ever before in yes. terms of volume. I'm actually flattening two batteries yes. in, in, in a day just trying to talk to everybody. So yeah. um, we're thinking about you. If you're not confident in your position, please get on the phone to your advisor at the moment so we can make sure that you feel comfortable, um, get you through, and we hope it's not too much longer and we're living a little bit more normally and uh, it will pass. Yeah, agree. Thank you for those sentiments. I also want to reiterate something you said at the start. We've both been really appreciative of the feedback we've gotten from clients and listeners to the podcast over the last week or two. Um, Like everybody else, um, we're we're finding our way through this and getting that balance right between touching on health and, and all the data we're getting and what we're reading, which is similar to clients. And also the impact on portfolios and uh, and investments for clients. You know, getting the balance right, we're we're doing the best we can to do that. 
we've really appreciated the feedback and we think that actually makes the quality of what we're putting out better because of that feedback we're getting. So uh, we thank everyone for that. Um, as we've talked to our team about communication, 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 that's the that's um, the real value we think we can bring to our clients at the moment as well as looking after their portfolios, their investments and their strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, I'd reiterate what you said. Um, we're only a phone call away. If anyone's got concerns or they want to have a chat, just pick up the phone and we'll yeah. be here to talk. And, and remember, as advisors, it's not just your portfolio that we're, we're managing. It's your cash flow. Yes. There is a lot of opportunities with government support, as I've said, to help with that cash flow problem the economy's got. So if you're not sure what you might be entitled to or if there's something you can get uh, to help us all through this time, please pick up the phone and talk to your advisor because this we is what we're numbers. doing yeah. all day. We mm. understand. We can send you the links on how to get some support. And it's not like normal times. I've had a few clients say, well, I can't, I wouldn't get that um, that job seeker or new start payment because I got too much assets. That's all waived at the moment because yes. this is such an extraordinary time. Liquid asset waiting periods, all those sorts of things. All those things are gone. It's all about if you're suffering loss to your income, unfortunately not portfolio, mm. uh, because of this, there will be something you're entitled for. So please talk. Excellent. All right, James, uh, thanks for uh, coming around to my house to record this podcast. Thanks to everyone who's listening and uh, we, we look forward to hopefully seeing people shortly, but certainly talking to people over the next weeks. Thank you, guys. Have Thank- a great weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye.